to another edition of Kaleidoscope. This is the magazine on here in downtown Nicosia, and with me, also in downtown Nicosia, I have Segal Shakbazi. Welcome, Segal. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, to introduce you to the listeners, Segal is the founder of Women of Cyprus and an activist. And she, because it's important to the conversation, she's also Iranian. And because this is the month, is the anniversary of the Woman Life Freedom Revolution and the death, and the death of that young um, Iranian woman, Masha Amini, in the streets of Iran. Tell us a little bit about how you feel about the one-year anniversary and what's happening in Iran. It's a very emotional month because not only on the 16th did Masa Amini die, well, was murdered by the Islamic Republic, um, we also have every day uh, another anniversary of deaths of protesters that came after her death. So how many deaths do we know? How many deaths do we know of? Because we confirmed also know... is five hundred plus. Oh, because we know there's a lot of imprisonment, there's a lot of missing, so there is no official figure. But you're saying that it's over five hundred are confirmed. Over five hundred are confirmed by uh, by us. Yeah. Okay. The Islamic Republic will probably say less. Well, I'm but, sure it will. Yeah. Uh, the the good thing in this revolution is that it's not just the women. It started off with the women, but it's been joined. But the whole community, the whole of all the Iranians have joined. Women, men, young, old. Yes. Yeah. Whatever. So I think that's, that's, that's very encouraging, but it's also very depressing to watch the numbers every day. How, how do you think things are going? How do things appear to be going in Iran? Well, it's, uh, it's not as, uh, the momentum of protest is not how it was in the first few months. But this is what I like to tell everyone is that a revolution, especially a revolution in a country like Iran, where the Islamic Republic is so violent and their crackdowns are so um, bloody. And mm. we still have like thousands, if not, if not the 20,000 people that they detained in, um, in prisons and they torture them and they uh, rape and uh, psychological torture. A lot of them have come out of jail and committed suicide. So it's not like um, the people in the streets are with guns um, taking back the country. It's not like that. So the protesters are, are peaceful, you know, and you can't win a protest against such a regime by just, you know, being peaceful because they will crack down on you and people are afraid. And the revolution that happened in 1979 was a bloody one because people had guns and that's how they took over. Mm. And the Islamic regime took over. But now I, I like to say that, you know, re- a revolution has different um, aspects of it. Mm. So the biggest one is that to this day, the women still go out without wearing a hijab, without wearing any type of, you know, oppressive um, and compulsory um manner of like hijab or manteau which is like the coat they wear 
Um, I'm actually a lovely very... figure of a woman on one of these little uh, cycles, not the bicycle, that you stand on it. And she's got her long ponytail in the wind. I mean, it's bloody amazing the courage they still have after having seen, as you said, 20,000 people have been arrested. Is this the numbers we have? Yes. So, um, and since we've the had... first of the revolution that started. And we've seen the violence. I mean, it's not as if we've just heard about it. Videos have been put on social media of the ruthless violence, of the disrespect of human life. Yeah, this, this is what I was telling you. need to enforce yeah. the morality code, whatever that means, to whomever that means anything. So the morality police still exists, by the way, and they have the parliament just passed a law which needs to be voted in from um, higher, um, I think from Khomeini, Khamenei, sorry, I confused their names, that they're going to, it's called the chastity bill law, and it's even harsher, the, um, the punishment that the women will get going forward if they are caught having like um, being dressed immorally or not up to standard of the Sharia law. And um, they will get up to 10 years in prison they will have uh, massive fines and uh, there's some other things that is in that law. So it's, they're trying to tighten up even more and create more like fear mongering, but the women mm. still go out. The men still will write on walls. They will still spread like messages. Um, As I said, I think it's amazing the support from men, which I think is one of the things that gives the women the courage to go yeah. forward because they're not doing this alone and not doing it just for women. It's something that expresses the whole community. Exactly. And also they do like work, worker strikes now because the economy in Iran is atrocious. People don't mm -hmm. have money to eat. Um, the work situations are horrible because all the money that the Islamic regime gets, they ship out to the wars like Syria, Palestine, all of these, this, they just fund all the other countries that they're um, involved in. Yes. But there's, they give no money to their own people. I think, I think the same situation exists in Afghanistan, that any official money coming in is Social actually not Taliban. used to alleviate because there's hunger, okay? Mm -hmm. People are hungry, there's no jobs. Um, so they're not trying to support their own people, they're actually supporting the maintenance of their power. Yeah. So it's actually going to the totally wrong people and this money should not be going to the regime in Iran nor should it be going to the Taliban in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, have you still got family there in Iran? I do have a, a ex, well extended family. Most of my family left um, a long time ago because they don't want to live in a situation where they're so oppressed. I have some family that, but the thing is like, we don't want to talk to them over like WhatsApp or things like that you don't because want to put them they're being watched. Mm. They have a massive cyber army and a spy army that um, spies on them. people and they mm. catch them and they jail them or, you know, threaten them. So we just ask her, like my, my, my step aunt, which my mom usually talks to. She just asks her, like, how are things? And she's like, like, today there's escalation of things. And then, you know, it's just like, 
what is happening. It's not yes, sort of. It's not an emotion attached to it. Um, yeah. Do they uh, is are they allowed to leave? Iranians allowed to leave the country? Yeah, or they're allowed limited? to leave the country. No, no, they're allowed to leave the country as long as you know um, you're not affiliated with anything that um, has they to do with the revolution subversive. in the mm. diaspora. So you can leave and come back as long as you don't do anything. They deem that, you to be safe or um, not harmful to their uh, their regime. Yes. Okay, I've seen a lot of action activity from the diaspora, and I'm never sure which part of the diaspora is actually supportive of the women. And the one person I'm referring to in particular is Pallavi, the son of the Shah. I've had um, different opinions about him said to me um, that he's pro-state, that he is a state-run man and he's not woman-friendly necessarily. In fact, on the day of the anniversary, I actually think you used the word woman once or twice. But you tell me your opinion because I'm very, I get very confused with all the different Iranian voices in the diaspora that are speaking. Basically, there's a huge, um, we do have this situation right now where, um, we are trying to be united, but there's a lot of, um, infight also happening because of okay. political. Um, but the reason, like, I personally, uh, support and consider Pahlavi the best figure going forward for us as, like, a opposition because, okay. um, he from day one has fought for the rights of Iran and he has always included women, but he has okay. always included everyone. Um, his wife calls him a feminist. He okay. himself always talks about how he wants a democracy for Iran. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want any, um, I feel like position. people don't listen to him when he speaks. And the people that don't like him are communists that, um, you know, sort of, uh, were also the issue that happened in 79 that, you know, a lot of but, Iranians uh, don't trust. It's like a whole situation of politicalness happening. Okay. That, um, yeah, communists don't like him because they think that he wants to come become king again. And then monarchists want him to come and become a king again. And I don't know if you know this about Iran. Like, there's a massive, massive number of Iranians. Like, it might be like even 50%, if not more, that they are, they are monarchists. They believe in okay. monarchy. They want a constitutional monarchy to come back, which is important because constitutional monarchy is a different kind of monarchy to like yes. just, you know. They want that. Even like Gen Z millennials within Iran, they want monarchy back in Iran because they believe that those years from like 1926 to nine, uh, 1979 were like the best years Iran ever had. Okay. And I agree with that, actually, because if you actually see it unbiasedly, there was a lot of good things happening in Iran then. And there was such a feminist movement in Iran that even European countries didn't have. Um, but anyway, Pahlavi from like, especially like this year, all of his speeches, all, everything that he says, he's just trying to be inclusive of everyone. And he always speaks that when we go to Iran, there should be a referendum. People choose what they want. There shouldn't be any like, um, uh, external affairs. Influence, yes. It's got to be an Iranian, yeah, yeah. Influences be an Iranian because decision. Iranians should decide what they want. 
And this is what I was discussing with um, Christina yesterday, that um, I sort of defend monarchists, not because I believe in a monarchy, but because I believe like the West condemns them and doesn't give them space. And for me, it's important that if we believe in a democracy, you cannot silence such a majority of people in Iran that choose that. And if it comes to like us uh, getting rid of the Islamic regime and there's like a referendum and the majority of people vote to have monarchy, I don't think we should have a say in it. If well, we're I, not I agree. I, I agree with you because it's the same way if you look at the Cyprus problem, I know what I would like as a solution, but the whole idea is if you have an inclusive um, decision-making process, whatever decision comes out of that is the decision that I will support, mm-hmm. regardless if I disagree with um, the decision. Yeah. I mean, if the people decide they want a two-state solution, hopefully not, I will have to live with it because it's the voice of the many. Okay, the thing that's often questioned about Palavi is where does he get his money from? But that, I think everyone thinks they know and no one really knows. But the thing is, I, I honestly, I'm not sure where he gets his money from and I don't want to speculate and assume and create more like misinformation about the situation. But the thing is like, where does Masiel Inajad get her money from? Where does everyone else get their money from? They all get funded from NGOs or like when Masih Alinejad speaks, let's say she gets money to speak in all of these events. They all get funded to speak, but they always, always want to attack Pahlavi because he's the son of the king. That's what like annoys me is because like if he wasn't, people wouldn't, because he has a claim, let's say to Iran, Mm. like an official claim in comparison to the others if you believe like in the lineage of the monarchy and everything, he's the only one that officially has a claim over Iran, let's say, Mm. in the monarchist's eyes. But he, every time in his speeches, and and it's something that I really wish he would change, is like he speaks a lot in Iranian and he doesn't put subtitles um, in English. So like non-Iranians could understand what he says. His speeches are like so um, unifying. And I feel like so... um, Sorry? So, dem- so democratic. Very democratic. He believes in democracy and that's all, all he preaches. And he always talks about, I don't know why people say he doesn't talk about women because he always says like, this is like a woman led revolution. Um, but he like, talks about everyone. I just remember someone and I obviously couldn't check the speech because he speaks in Iranian. Mm-hmm. Someone saying that on the anniversary of Marshall's Amini's death, murder, um, he only used the word woman twice. He didn't speak of it as a woman-led revolution. This is what I was told. So, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, I mean, it is a woman-led revolution, but the thing is, like, I feel like he, another th- again, he, he, talk, he, he talks about it as it being a woman-led revolution, but also because a lot of men in this revolution are not happy when we call it a feminist revolution or when it's like, when they feel like they're not included because most of the people that died, let's say, or like were executed were men. So he tries to keep a balance. Okay. Yeah. That's what I, I see. He tries because he, he, he gets so much hate from, um, you know, whoever doesn't support him, obviously. Yes. 
Yeah. You just get so much hate. I agree with you. And I think I agree with you. A lot of it has got to do with the fact that he's the son of the Shah. Yeah. That was actually ousted 30 years ago, 50, 100 years ago. And his wife is very outspoken. His wife, he, like, he always, his wife is, another thing that makes me feel like he actually, like, you know, is maybe a feminist, even though, like, I haven't heard him personally say he's a feminist. His wife always says he's a feminist. Is that his wife is so outspoken. Like, he, she does not care at all. She has no filter when it comes to, like, some situations. She just says whatever, like, she feels like, um, about the people in this revolution and sometimes she's like no filter <laughs> um, okay so that means she's been allowed she's been given the space to speak she has yeah it's not like he's he's silencing her or telling her like you shouldn't say these things um so she has she's her own person okay. and i feel like if he was someone that um didn't believe in women's rights or didn't want women to speak he would like tell her you need to like speak like me or like, don't say certain things. Okay. Okay. Um. Tell me, have you you were born in Iran? I was born in Iran. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what you remember about your childhood in Iran. I was about what it was three like. Years old. I was nearly three years old when we came to Cyprus, so I don't remember um, a childhood in Iran because I was really young um, and. Uh, Basically, I went back when I was eight or nine, and then I think another time where I was 11 or 12. I think I've been back two or three times. So um, do you have no memories of Iran? Do you have, I have no very icon? limited memories of Iran, like two, three weeks that I've been there. So I've had like experiences where like the morality police stopped me when I was eight. Wow. Um, and because I was, I looked older than the age that you're supposed to, um, you're supposed to Wait, wear the hijab. the hijab after, like, you complete your eight years going to nine, you have to wear the hijab. And I looked older, but I was eight, so I wasn't nine yet, you know? So my mom was like, it's okay, you don't have to wear the hijab, you're not of, of the age yet, so whatever. And I had, like, little short hair, and I, I don't, I, we didn't think anyone would, like, care. Because we were, uh, we were like, we knew, but like, I didn't experience it personally. Okay. And I went from my aunt's house to like down the street to go to the kiosk, let's say, to buy like Tringham. <laughs> and, um, this, uh, morali- mor- this. Morality police? Well, I guess what it was a morality police. He was like a police officer type of thing. Um, we call them pastor. And, uh, he, he stopped me and he started saying, where's your hijab? And I was like, what do you mean? I don't, I'm not wearing a hijab. And he was like, you need to wear a hijab. And he started screaming at me. And I was like, I'm eight years old. And he was like, where's your house? We're going to arrest you. And I was just crying. And then a neighbor went and got my aunt and he came and he was like, she's a tourist. She's not even Iranian really. (laughs) Because I was blonde as well. She's eight. Like, I'm going to take her in. And she was like, she looks older. She needs to cover up. Um, and my aunt was like, I'm so sorry. It won't happen again. We'll get her like hijab and stuff. And he let me go. Okay. And it happened to me again on the same trip when we were going to, and we, there's an island in Iran that's really popular. It's called Kish. Mm-hmm. So we went there and again, my mom was like, she doesn't need to wear it. And then again, they stopped me and they were like, your mother didn't wear. learn her lesson, did she? No. 
<laughs> my mom really doesn't like the Islamic regime because she has been jailed for stuff and you know she just is against them <laughs> okay yeah um, tell me do you, how do you obviously keep in contact with people around how do they see this as ending where do they see this going I mean it's scary because it might never end yeah. and we've seen the doesn't necessarily mean you'll get where you're going what are they the expectations Or well, just to carry on revolting until... We, we're never... I think the diaspora is working so hard, so hard. They're non-stop trying and trying and trying to get, like, help externally, but not interfering help, you know. So okay. there's, like, the MASA Act that is passing through Congress. Um, they voted on it, and it's, like, how to get... Um, it's going to be... Oh, I forget. Um the sanctions are going to be much more extreme on the uh, on Raisi and the Islamic regime and everyone that's in, in, incorporated in the regime as in like IRGC and there's going to be like frozen assets they're not going to do the exchange of um, prisoners prisoners in the way they're doing because of Biden released six billion dollars to them and terrorists he gave Iranian terrorists back to them um, and three of them didn't even go back to Iran. And it's insane because you just gave them six billion that mm. they're going to use in the wars uh, of uh, Russia versus Ukraine, uh, Syria. Those those monies are funding wars, basically. No, but Biden did something that no one ever does. You never pay. You never give money, ever. You don't pay. Even if it's your brother, you don't pay for terrorists. Yeah, and also this terrorists. is like a thing they do They've been doing for years, by the way. They, they, and we keep telling Americans, like, don't go into Iran for tourism. This is like a business for them. Mm. They will grab you. And they have such a spy network that they know, like, who to get. And it's very annoying because we were like, okay, just why did you have to give the six billion in addition to exchanging them? Not, I mean, I think no one can understand the logic. It's an unwritten rule. You don't pay terrorists you don't give them no. money tell me what sanctions are they planning to implement I don't, I'm not a great believer in sanctions just by the way because I think they don't affect the regime they actually affect the people yeah. that are already suffering but what are the sanctions that are in place let me let me just find the because there is a it's, a it's a different what's the matter um, it's a bill that I have to I have to find it. I'm sorry. Um, well, that's okay. Um, because I I will send um, it to you. At, at, sanctions have limited value. We, I agree. I'm a South I'm a South African born. Okay, mm -hmm. and I grew up in the South Africa of apartheid, and yeah. sanctions did work then, and they were immediate, and eventually, what needed to happen did happen. But in general, what happens with sanctions is they impose sanctions of importing something. And the people that are in power still get that. And the ultimate person that's affected is the man whose human rights are being violated in some way. So I'm not a great believer. Um, do you think people see an end? I or think people we not hopeful are hoping anymore? for it. Like we're hoping for an end. And this is, sorry, this is how like it went to the massacre because like we are all trying to get 
basically we both need to work together because inside Iran they sort of feel like externally like the support is ending from not I mean not the diaspora but like when they see the UN let's say um bring pulling out so yeah for like bringing the Raisi speaking in the UN and then having them on human rights stuff when they're terrorists <laughs> so we feel like if the world started like as putting them as like terrorist organizations um so they couldn't like they would freeze all of their assets there's things that the west can do to put pressure on them to I think his I think Rice's wife was interviewed yesterday or today yes yeah, and no, everyone yesterday. was saying was why is she speaking and yeah, why is she said not being that as well everyone yeah mm. Why is she speaking to White? They're asking her the right questions. And not Why wasn't an opposition against her calling her out, at least if you want to interview her? Have someone exactly. from the diaspora. Absolutely. Yeah. Or actually have the guts to ask her the real questions about what's happening with the woman. She's a woman. Yeah. Ask her the, I agree with you. I mean, I saw this and I possibly did see it on your page on Twitter. And I thought, but this is absurd. This is absurd that firstly that they've given him a voice. Okay. In September, which is like such a, an important month for us. I think the most bizarre thing I saw with that is that he was speaking, the Israeli representative was shouting out, and no one was shouting out against the Israeli for what they're doing at the Palestinians. I mean, it was, I was watching this and thinking, there's something super wrong with this world we're living in. It is. I mean, I accept the help from the Israelis because I feel like it's the only country that has supported us since day one. And they fully support us behind everything. Even though I don't agree with what the government is doing, the one thing that we need to know about history and Palestinians don't like to talk about this is that they are the reason so many Iranians were murdered since the Iranian Revolution of 1979 because Arafat was with Khomeini. So Hamas is funded by the Islamic regime. You know? But... uh But, but a uh, lot but the, of Palestinians have murdered Iranian people. So, but despite that, we still don't agree with any oppression. Mm. But we do accept the help from Israel because at some point, who are we going to accept help from if no one else is helping us? And no, I agree with you. I, he I, was the only me, person that stood up when everyone should have stood up in the UN that day. No, I agree with you. And yeah. I agree with you that first, I agree with you that when you're in trouble or something's wrong, you will accept help from wherever it comes. You can't have super high principles because everyone's done something wrong. Mm -hmm. To me, as a supporter of the oppressed, and especially the Palestinians, it was just bizarre. That no, it is bizarre always to that see he them. Was, yeah. uh, he was objecting to Raisi, and no, was, no one was objecting to him. I think everyone just should have objected to Raisi. That's like, Absolutely. That should I have totally been like the... You. I totally agree with you, because, I mean, a year after the revolution started, in the month of the revolution... And this is this man who's committed all, or who's at least encouraged this kind of behavior. He's standing there and No, speaking. but he's called the butcher of uh, Iran because before he was president, he was a, in the 80s, he was um, a part of killing more than 30,000 Iranians. Wow. They executed and way? killed 30,000 Iranians in the 80s because it was all of these people that were dissidents and either were like part of the Shah's uh, uh extended circle or just like even like mech people from like the mujahideen which are another terrorist organization oh. um they 
executed 30,000 people. They buried them. And they were like, this never happened. Where their, their families of these people were like, this happened. Mm. So if I you, don't know what who, happened, if, but it did happen. And I don't know where the it, body is, but this did happen. No, they found some of them, but they couldn't find all of them because they buried them under um, constructions and stuff. Okay. So they tried to make it look like it never happened, but if you if you Google the butcher, uh, right? Uh, if you butcher his his name and butcher, or generally if you Google his name, or I can send you like more information on it, he was part of like this regime since it happened, and he has killed many Iranians by giving either the orders or like being part of it. Or He's called the butcher of Iran, mm. you know. Okay. Okay, I mean, I, I keep on, I look at the butchering that's going around around the world, and mm -hmm. I think, where, where have we lost our humanity to such an extent that it doesn't matter that 20,000 people disappeared off the face of the earth, and no one talks about it? No one. Or no one comes, stands up, like you said, why didn't people stand up at the UN last week, or whenever it was, and say, this is wrong, this man should not be here, at least this man should be talking the truth. Yeah. Or help no, you hold agree. accountable. It's, it's crazy to me. That's the thing. It's crazy to me that the only person that stood up was Israel. The I mean, that's ambassador. bizarre. In, that's yeah, totally yeah, yeah. But like, a... it should have been every country. Like, where was, where was the UK and the US where in the beginning they were so like in the UN being like, listen, you need to like, it was crazy to me that everyone was just sitting there and listening to this man speak and no one even stood up to leave. You don't even have to hold something. Just stand up and, and leave. Yeah. It's I so disrespecting. And they brought him in the, like, literally a few days after she died, like, from her anniversary. Mm. I mean, at I this point, I don't believe that. in the UN anymore in that sense of it's been a year and all you do is put terrorists or terrorist uh, regimes in, um, Human rights oh, yeah. watch. And, I mean, it's like, I, I can't understand what the UN is doing. But it's on every level, Sigalmo. I mean, you look at what what have they done about Afghanistan? Nothing. Every every day, new laws come out of what women cannot do. Now they can't. And who is speaking? I remember hearing a few days after the fall of Kabul, I'm listening to the U one of the MPs from the UK saying he trusts the Taliban. I thought, why? And you man that trusts the Taliban, look at what he's doing now. They told you they were going to support women's rights. And now a woman can't go and pee without asking for permission from a man or being accompanied by a man. Basically, they and cannot do speaking. anything that isn't allowed by the man. Mm. Yeah. That's it's terrifying. really sad. They are like on a whole other level of, um, what you call it, oppression. It's it's so yeah. sad, and it came so like it it came back to them so suddenly. And it is, I mean, between the, that part of the world, it was overnight. They, I mean, Afghanistan went from being this progressive, equal, educated community with with awesome women there that they're still there, but now they have no voice. And they were shut down in one day. Shut yeah. down. And the same is happening in Iran. Yeah. And the Iranian women are loud, and I don't know what the different circles are. But, and no one's listening. 
no one is no, listening. No, no one's listening. I mean, the the difference in Iran is like I'm happy that they still get to have education. They still get to go to university. So that's why I'm saying like for the Af- Afghani women, it was so much worse in a sense of it happened in one, like it suddenly happened and they and can't even educate themselves or go to like the park with their kids, you know? Did you hear of that group of women that were given scholarships in the United Arab Emirates to go and study there? They stopped them from getting on the airplane. Oh, no, I didn't hear about that. That's really sad. I, that's, I mean, the extent is... They just, I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't, I can't even think about it because it's something that I can't even conceive, Yeah. being a privileged white Westerner. Yeah. It's really sad to and, see, and I don't understand why the world doesn't do more. Like, I feel like the West always pretends to care, but then in the end, all the powerful people in the West have interests in all of these things that are happening. So they say we stand with your cause, but then release like money. Exactly, and you don't know what's going behind closed doors. Is money? Are they? They're giving them the six billion, but mm-hmm. that six billion is going to be given to someone else for arms. Yeah, yeah, it's always so guns. There's something happening somewhere that's of economic gain, and that's why. Who cares if if a few million people die or a few million people don't have a voice? I'm getting exactly. my pockets full, but it is. I mean, I, I, I do like you, even though I like. I want to believe in the UN. What are they doing? What is their value, in fact? Exactly. Like I understand what they're doing in Cyprus, let's say, in this sort of situation. But other than that, what? Do, why do they have all of these meetings and then bring all of these regimes that we have? This, this is what we were saying before. Like we have videos. Of yeah. the Islamic, uh, the uh, IRGC, the, the guard corps of the regime, with military-grade guns, shooting people in the streets, beating them, dragging them in cars. And this is the country's regime and government you bring into a human rights um, forum. discussion and forum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you put them as the, pres- like, as the head. How, how does represents. that work? Yeah. But how many times have we seen, and I'll go back to Palestinians, how many times have we seen Palestinians going into um, the Jamis to uh, to pray mm-hmm. on a religious holiday and the police actually assaulting them, not the police, the army, abusing, assaulting, shooting in the in the at the church the i've forgotten the word the the temple the islamic temple they in there they're not letting them go to oh, the mosque <laughs> the mosque sorry yeah, it's okay i, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I short circuited I, I didn't they, even, I, it wasn't coming to me either and then i realized <laughs> that's what you talking but you see them trying to go the, uh, the protect uh, my right to my religious freedom mm-hmm. is guaranteed and you're not allowed to let me go into my mosque because you think whatever you think i mean yeah. videos, but the funny thing is talking about Yeah, sorry for interrupting you. Talking about this, no it just brought me back to the situation in the school in Balogiodisa in Cyprus, where yes. where they had like the um, the symbol of the Holy Mary, the Virgin Mary, yes. the Virgin, yeah. And then obviously, like me, I personally don't believe in God. So when um, if if I was in school, I would not want to have a religious um, representation um, on yes. my shirt. So I agree that there should be like the plain T-shirts and whoever wishes to wear something 
of their own religion. And then this is funny that it's happening here as well in Cyprus because people are so mad that um, some students that don't have the same belief as them don't want to wear the religion they don't believe in. And they were like, now an Islamization is happening in Cyprus. Where? <laughs> like, yeah. But I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm an Orthodox, but I really don't believe in the church. I, I don't believe in the organized church. I will pray and I will do whatever. But having religious symbols in a school environment, and especially on the T-shirt my son or daughter wears every day, no. I don't mm. know what possessed them to have a religious image, logo of the school. I guess it's because we have our, the archbishopry here and like religion is such a big part of sort of also a government. Well, I feel like they influence, but technically, it's, it's crazy. Technically, according to the constitution, state and church are separate, technically. True, yeah. But the church does have input on the school curriculum. Because we're running out of time, we're not going to have time to talk about the other things we wanted to. <laughs> and I'm glad because I'm really... in. I really find the discussion needs to be had. Tell me what are your wishes for uh, Iran? Uh, let's be practical because I'd like yes. the regime to, to all go away and people to enjoy freedom, the freedom to walk around and breathe and be happy again. Yes. Well, practically, like next steps would be, as I said, like actual um, the embassies closing down around the world would be a major um help for them to to topple this regime um to not accept like put to put all of the regime as a terrorist but, but especially the IRGC is like the first step and mm-hmm. i feel like that would help a lot uh, obviously freezing all of their assets sending all of the diplomatic um staff staff yeah yeah so by closing embassies and all of the diplo- cut all ties basically with the Islamic regime, that would be like a big hit to them because then they would be trapped in the in the country. And then I feel like the Iranian people will start rising again because right now they're the, it's happening, but it's happening like in small parts. It's like okay, um, just, in the few days of like Massa's um, death anniversary, they did go out uh, again. But like I say, they do like small acts of revolution. But it's, it hasn't died down. I feel like there's there there will be another wave um, coming. Just a question: You don't believe that if all the embassies leave Iran, it will further isolate the people? No, I feel like that would give them uh, because that is what they we also like the communication between like inside of Iran, outside of Iran, is that once that happens, even like with the sanctions actually being like actually in, installed when the pressure is on the islamic regime then the people can rise more have feel like okay now they're trapped so we can take the country back in a sense and then okay. i feel like a referendum would happen and the people inside iran and the people that want to live, go back to live in iran can vote on what they want but I don't think that it will, I feel like it will help the Iranians if we do that because, um, the people that left already left and the people inside Iran can't leave yet anyway. And the whole, or don't want to for some reason. Or don't want to because it's their country and they still want to live there. A lot of people have lives there that they're afraid of like, you know, losing and they've worked hard to establish and, um, 
they would still live there and try to change things rather than leave the country. Okay. Okay, well, I just hope we ha- they, they reach a point where this regime just acknowledges the fact that this cannot go on forever. And I don't know what system works. They I won't. I really don't. They won't. And something that um, I feel like the West needs to stop... Um, Doing. addressing and like um it's like the iranian people do not want reform we don't want reforms it's not just about the hijab reforms i feel like a lot of like western media tries to like just downplay it to us this is just a revolution about hijab it's not it's so much more like child marriage is allowed mm-hmm. there's so many things worse than the hijab that are happening the hijab is just such a um easy way not easy like a, a visual way to show uh, yes. your protest and it's it's like my 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 body my choice um so what are we talking about we're talking about the hijab is the window what we can see yes. child marriages there's child marriages oh. women cannot even ride bicycles sing dance in the streets they can't get a divorce uh alcohol is not permitted they cannot party as a as people um, there's no due process, there's forced confessions, torture, there cannot be dissidents, there cannot be other political parties that are not Islamic regime, let's say, um, approved. Um, there's so much more that my brain right now cannot... Um, well, that's what you said is a list enough. I mean, firstly, the yeah. lack of due process yeah. is the most basic one, because lack of due process... And under lack of due process falls gender-based violence, rape, gender which is apartheid, a very big, yeah. gender apartheid. It's a very big, um, no due process covers a lot of things that yeah. need to change. I should have perhaps asked this question at the beginning of the conversation, but I'm glad you've cleared it. And I agree with you, the hijab is a good way to represent everything else. It's pick yes, because we've seen so many pictures of child marriages and people don't get excited. Um, offended but the hijab is something that you can do like this young woman with her bicycle and no hijab it was a wonderful picture okay i just hope the opportunity comes when no the time comes soon when what's happening in iran and in afghanistan i have to add does change because we women are everyone is a human being and everyone has a right to a dignified life i agree a life with dignity i agree Especially women that are oppressed always. Yes. I wish they all share my rights. I wish all women share what I, what you and I share. I agree. Okay. So we send out the same wish into the universe. Yes. We will have another conversation about your Women of Cyprus organization (laughs) and women and reproductive rights. But I think this was the appropriate conversation for this anniversary or memorial of the start of the woman life freedom revolution, which is more than just a hijab. Yes. And I thank okay. you so much for having me and giving a voice to the movement a year after, because I feel like we still, we're still going and a lot of people have forgotten about us. Yes. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I mean, I, I love hearing these conversations because they also keep me up to date. And I agree with you. We need to keep saying it doesn't stop just because it happened a year ago. It hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped. So lovely to have you with us. Segal, I'm really glad we had this conversation. 
to uh, the listeners, I, thank you for listening. And have you got one more wish to have before we close? I would just uh, I I would just say women life freedom because I feel like it covers not just the Iranian mm. movement. It's it's a universal term for me. It's like women life freedom goes together. So that's mine. Okay. Want to end with that. Perfect. Thank you, Sigal, and to the listeners, have a lovely rest of the day. Bye. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.